All right. So I'm Timo Sazo, serve as an intern. You know that already. Uh, we are in an Advent, uh, Advent season, an Advent uh, sermon series, uh, where we will be looking at a series of encounters between Jesus and other people that happen over meals. Um, and Jesus teaches things about himself, things about his mission, uh, and how we are called to respond to him. So our hope is that through this series, in this season, we would be recalibrated, that our longing for Jesus would deepen, that our hearts and lives would be more aligned with his purposes for us. And this morning, we will be looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it's the story uh, of the encounter between Jesus and a man called Zacchaeus. So... Luke 19, 1 through 10. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the, cr the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he, received, uh, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we need you. We need you to give us understanding as we open up your word. So we pray that you would do that now. We pray that you would change us by the power of your spirit so that we would rejoice more and more in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and be made more like him. In his name we pray. Oh, really? Okay, for the, for the live stream. Okay, forget all these details. Okay, so our passage today is about God's grace, how God's grace reaches even the most unlikely people and how it changes them in unexpected ways. My hope is that we would receive God's grace and we would respond to it by being generous and hopeful. And if you have uh, the outline on the on, on your notes there and your bulletin it's it's a bit fuzzy um, but I'm gonna give you three guiding words for my remarks today seeking saving and staying seeking saving and staying all right so that's gonna guide my my sermon today let's jump in so at this time, in Luke's gospel narrative, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's being followed by a crowd. 
And his last stop before reaching his final destination is the city of Jericho. And in this city, he meets a man called Zacchaeus. And we don't have a ton of information about Zacchaeus. In fact, Luke is the only gospel account that records this encounter. But this text gives us enough to make, make up a picture of him, of, of Zacchaeus. So in verses 2 and 3, it says that he was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He desired to see Jesus. And he was short. And this last feature of his physique has captured and really dominated the popular imagination when it comes to this story, right? There's even a children's song about Zacchaeus. And if you, you grew up in the church in the U.S., you probably know it. I didn't know it until this week because I did not grow up in the church in the U.S. But it goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That, that's enough. We only have 30 minutes. So. For some strange reason, this song leaves out, arguably, the most significant feature about Zacchaeus. Namely, that he was a chief tax collector. If you go on Google and check the lyrics, there's no data, there's nothing about him being a chief tax collector. But why is that significant? You see, tax collectors were Jewish men who worked for the occupying Roman authorities collecting taxes from their fellow countrymen so that you know, the, the empire would have money to do things. And they enjoyed protection from the Roman army. So just by virtue of their occupation in itself, tax collectors were considered traitors by their fellow countrymen. Not only that, tax collectors were known to take advantage of their position by overcharging and by exhorting, exhorting people, extorting people, sorry. So using forceful and, and violence to get money from them. They would get rich at the expense of their fellow countrymen. So they were traitors by pr profession and oppressors by practice. But in Zacchaeus' case, he was a chief tax collector, which means he was a leader among tax collectors, and not only rich, but very, very, very rich. So Zacchaeus was a supreme traitor and a supreme oppressor. And it's on top of all that that we need to add to the picture that he was short. Now, you can still sing the sing song, you can teach it to your children, that's fine. But the song is not good. Um, it's, and, and he must have been very, very, very short. So we, we don't know his exact height, but I mean, he was shorter than Frank. He was shorter than Dr. Dave. He must have been way below the average height for an adult man. He probably looked like a little boy if you saw him from a distance. So picture that. A very powerful man, very, extremely rich, and incredibly short. 
he's a little bit of a joke. A wee bit of a joke, perhaps. <laughs> yes, a joke that could ruin your life financially, but still a joke. He probably had very few friends, maybe just a few of the other tax collectors, or people who were interested in his money. But overall, he was figuratively and literally looked down upon by everyone. Can you think of anyone like this? Who comes to mind? Someone that you deeply, intensely despise for who they are or what they do. Someone that if you saw them walking down the street alone, you'd want to insult, catcall, slap on the face, maybe even spit upon. Someone whose very name causes you to feel disgust. That's who Zacchaeus was. And this man wanted to see Jesus. That seems to be his one redeeming quality in this story. Now, why did he want to see Jesus? Just out of curiosity? Well, earlier in uh, the Gospel account, we, found, uh, we find that some tax collectors um, had responded positively to the ministry of John the Baptist and also the ministry of Jesus. And that even Jesus himself had to told a parable about a penitent tax collector that had gone home justified. So perhaps Zacchaeus had heard about this through the tax collecting vine or Twitter, whatever they have these day, those days. In any case, Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. And when he realized that he couldn't because of the crowd around Jesus, he found a way by running ahead and climbing on the sycamore tree. And it's there that he encounters Jesus. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house, at your house today. Surely this, this was a shock to Zacchaeus. First, Jesus sees him and notices him. Then Jesus calls him by name. And most shocking of all, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Up to this point, we might have thought that this story was about Zacchaeus seeking to see Jesus. But in reality, it's about Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. And this is how it always works in the Bible and in Christianity. God always seeks us first. He always takes the initiative. 1 John 4 says that in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And later He says, we love because He, that is God, loved us, or He first loved us. So, okay, so how does Jesus respond to 
to how does Zacchaeus respond to Jesus' self-invitation? He says, it says, he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And how could he not, right? Zacchaeus was an ostracized man, despised by his fellow countrymen. But now, Jesus, the one who many people are calling the Christ, doesn't treat him like everyone else. Jesus wants to spend time with him, wants to come into his house. There's someone else who's also shocked by Jesus' self-invitation, and that is the crowd. Verse 7, And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Now, the crowd in this scene um, was likely a mix of committed disciples, general followers, curious onlookers, and some religious leaders. So, different perspectives there, but the general sentiment among the entire crowd is objection. They object to Jesus being Zacchaeus' guest. And if you think about it, even in our day, to be someone's guest says something. It communicates some, some kind of, some level of a- approval or trust in whoever is hosting you. But back in the ancient Near East, to be someone's guest was even more than that. It was a symbol of close friendship and fellowship. And so with that in mind, we have to recognize that there's a sense in which the crowd's objection is right. Zacchaeus had a bad reputation because he was a bad, wicked man. He was indeed a sinner. So it's, it's a scandal that a f- religious figure like, like Jesus would want to spend time with, Jesus, with, with Zacchaeus and come to his house. Now, everyone in the crowd would have confessed to being sinners themselves, right? Oh yeah, all people are sinners, they would have affirmed. But they would have also qualified it. But some sinners are, are, some people are more sinners than others. So by objecting to Jesus being Zacchaeus' guest, they showed that they had gotten two things wrong. At least two things wrong. First, they underestimated the depth of their own sin. The truth is that because God is holy and righteous, any sin is enough to disqualify us and alienate us from God. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at a social level, at a person-to-person level, we make distinctions. And it's true, some, some sins are worse than others. But that doesn't mean that some people have more right to God's favor or to fellowship with them. Both Zacchaeus and the crowd are on the same ground when it comes to fellowship with God. 
And I think we Christians get this wrong too, too often. Even though we confess that we're sinners, we become a little self-righteous. And while we do genuinely want other sinners to know Jesus, it's only certain sinners that we have in mind. There are certain people that we'd rather see condemned than forgiven. But praise God that he's way more gracious than we are. The second thing is that by objecting to Jesus being Zacchaeus' guest, the crowd also showed that they had misunderstood Jesus' mission. So in a similar, similar situation earlier in Luke, in chapter 5, the crowd asked Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus seeks sinners because Jesus saves sinners. Jesus wants to spend time with Zacchaeus because Jesus intends to save Zacchaeus. Now, what does saving or salvation mean? And a, a, a basic definition could be that um, salvation is rescuing someone from a dangerous situation. Rescuing someone from a dangerous situation. But the biblical concept of salvation is a lot richer than that. So if you're sick, salvation is not only healing you, but is making you whole. If you're lost, it's not only finding you, but it's bringing you home. If you're guilty, salvation not only canceling your guilt, but is restoring your relationships. And that's what we see happening here in this passage. Zacchaeus is saved. His life is changed. His relationships are restored. But did you notice how Zacchaeus is saved? How is he saved? Take a look at verses ten, uh, 8 through 10. After the crowd grumbles, it says that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I, ha and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. Now, one possible way uh, to interpret the way Zacchaeus was, was saved was that salvation came to him because he changed. Right? He vows to give away half of his wealth and pay back the people he's defrauded. And then Jesus announces salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. But if you look at the text more closely and you look at it on its broader context, that's not really what happened. 
Rather, salvation came to Zacchaeus the moment Jesus came into his life. Jesus brought salvation to Zacchaeus by bringing himself to Zacchaeus. And it's because Zacchaeus crashed, sorry, that Jesus crashed into Zacchaeus' life. That his life can't stay the same. Think about it. He was a lover of money, a man willing to take advantage of his own nation for his own benefit. But when Jesus comes into his life, he becomes a new man. He's no longer motivated by the love of money. He no longer follows the values of this world or of his culture or of his profession, but rather the values of the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus has a new Lord in Jesus. And so then his actions are not the cause of Jesus' presence in his life, but the fruit of Jesus' presence in his life. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You see, the gospel is not that we seek God and earn his approval. The gospel is that God seeks us and gives us his approval freely and completely in his Son. Jesus died on the cross not because we were righteous, but to make us righteous in his sight. And so the grace of God is not help from God so that we could be better, but an underserved gift from beginning to end. And yet, that grace doesn't leave us unchanged. It bears fruit. And in Zacchaeus' life, that is seen in his promise to give away half of his goods and restore four times to those he, he defrauded. It's interesting what happens here. Zacchaeus rightly intuits that he has to do something about his wealth, the wealth that he's amassed by taking advantage of people. Right? Jesus doesn't tell him anything. And yet, Zacchaeus intuits that he must do something. But there's something else that we need to uh, notice here and, and we shouldn't miss here is that Zacchaeus was, uh, goes above and beyond what is required of him. You see, the, the Jewish law provided guidelines for restitution. But even in the most extreme cases, they would go up to 20% of what had been taken. Right? But Zacchaeus promises to give away 50%, half of all he had. And on top of that, repay those he defrauded four times. You see, this is not a calculated move to just make himself look good in front of Jesus. He's not pretending to be generous while actually protecting himself and his estate. No, he's truly being generous. He's truly letting his riches go. He's letting them go to the benefit of others. Those he had wronged and those who maybe he hadn't. 
Again, Zacchaeus is a new man. He's no longer operating according to the values of this world, but according to the values of the kingdom of God. That is what grace does. When you've understood the gospel, when Jesus has come into your life, when you've experienced God's grace, you stop thinking about yourself first. You start seeing everything you are and everything you have as a gift from God. You start thinking about how you can bless others. You start thinking about how you can make restoration for past and present wrongs. You start thinking about how you can be reconciled to others. Even if that hurts you financially or otherwise. Brothers and sisters at Potomac Hills, is that how it's been for you? Some Christians debate on this point. They start asking, is Zacchaeus an example of restitution and generosity? Is, is his example descriptive or prescriptive for us today? Is it just telling us what he did, but not necessarily what we need to do? Or is it a pattern that we need to do, follow you know, to the letter? But that kind of debate just misses the point. And it's also a terrible witness to the world when Christians are so protective of themselves, of their rights, and of their property. What we should really be asking ourselves is, have we been so, so captivated and so transformed by God's grace that we are seeking to make amends, that we are seeking to restore, that we are seeking to be generous? So Jesus responds to Zacchaeus' promise. He says, Today salvation has come to this house, since he, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. To be a son of Abraham meant to be a rightful heir to the promises of God. And here Jesus declares publicly that while Zacchaeus had been a traitor, and an oppressor, God welcomes him. God makes him part of his family. And that's not because Jesus is passing over Zacchaeus' wrongs, but it's because Jesus himself has taken care of, or will take care at this point in the narrative of Zacchaeus' sin by dying on the cross for him. And so Jesus reminds everyone that this is exactly his mission, to find sinners, to bring them home to himself, and to make them new. And that's where this encounter concludes. It's not where this sermon concludes, but that's where the encounter concludes. Now, I gave you three guiding words at the beginning, right? I said seeking, saving, and staying. And we've dealt, I think, with seeking and uh, saving. But what about staying? 
Well, I say staying because Jesus stays with Zacchaeus. Now, of course, Luke's narrative continues, and Jesus departs from Zacchaeus' house and continues on his way to Jerusalem. We don't know if Zacchaeus joined the crowd of disciples following Jesus to Jerusalem, or if he ever saw him in person again. So Jesus didn't stay with Zacchaeus. So what do I mean by saying that Jesus stayed with Zacchaeus? Well, there's a very true sense in which Jesus never left Zacchaeus. You see, when Jesus came into Zacchaeus' life, he became his Lord. He gave Zacchaeus new life. He gave him his spirit. He gave him his body, the church. And at some point, Jesus called Zacchaeus into his presence in heaven. In other words, Jesus stayed with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is right now with Jesus, awaiting the resurrection and the renewal of all things. And though this may sound abstract and elevated and strange, it's very important for us to remember as we consider this passage. For those who are not followers of Jesus or are exploring the faith, we're glad you're here. You need to know that Jesus is still around. Jesus is still seeking and saving sinners. He's doing it by the power of His Spirit by the preaching of the gospel, and by very ordinary means. And that means that you have not missed your chance to meet Jesus. That in fact, the very fact that you're here, or that you're watching online, may be the means that Jesus is using to seek you and save you. Whoever you are, and whatever you're done, Jesus seeks you. Jesus calls you by name. And he wants to crash at your place. He wants to turn your life around like he did with Zacchaeus. Jesus is truly a friend of sinners. The question is, will you receive him with faith and joy? But for us who are followers of Jesus also, it's important to remember that Jesus stays with us. None of us have seen Jesus in person. I mean, anyone? Has anyone had? No, I don't think so, right? But we have all received Jesus by faith. He is with us now by His Spirit and in His Word and through His people. And yet we know that this present, present experience is not the end. It's not ideal even. We long to experience the presence of Jesus fully. To have fellowship with Him in a world with no sin, no pain, and no death. And the good news is that we will. Jesus' meal with Zacchaeus is a picture for us. Not only what He's done for us in the past but also what he will do for us in the future. 
One day Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead and to make all things new. The Bible talks about our future reunion with Jesus in terms of a celebration, a feast, a party, a meal. But on that day, it won't be Jesus coming to our house. It would be us going to his house. We will sit at his table together with all those sinners that he saved, even Zacchaeus. And we will partake in the feast that he's prepared for us. He will stay with us and we will stay with him forever. Think about that. Take a moment to do that. And then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to seek and save the lost. You are truly a friend of sinners. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. Help us live in light of your grace. Help us be generous like you've been generous with us. And to remember that you've made us your own now and forever. Amen.